You're listening to a podcast by Home Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast challenges you, inspires you, and most of all, helps you find home in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Happy Father's Day to to all the dads in the house. You know, before we dive into today's content, I just want to share my dad who's who's leading the the, the kids' classroom today. Um, One of the things my dad told me growing up, as we were growing and as we became young men and as we were, he was sending us out into the workforce, one of the things he always said, and I don't know who needs to hear this, maybe we all, this is a good reminder for everybody, but he always said this whenever we were applying for a job or wherever we, wherever we were working, he said, the piece of advice is this, be willing to show up early, work hard with a good attitude, and be willing to stay late. And if you will do those things, you will own the place in no time. He always said that. You'll own the place in no time. And I can't tell you how many times I've come into situations, whether it's a job that I loved or whether it was a job or a project that I hated with everything in me, that I always had that on my mind. I'm going to show up early before I'm supposed to be there. I'm going to show up early. I'm going to smile the whole time whether I love what I'm doing or not, and I'm going to be willing to stay a little bit late. And God's favor has gone before me in every situation like that. Why? Because that's what Jesus would do. Jesus was a hard worker. He was willing to show up early, do things right, with a great attitude, with joy, no matter what he was doing. Being a father myself, I know uh, I had this moment whenever Gavin, our son, whenever he was just a baby, and he was, he was a newborn, and I was holding him, and, you know, whenever you, if you're a parent, whenever you have a newborn, and especially when it's your first one, you don't know what the heck's going on, right? Like, you just, they're crying, and we, I fed them, I changed their diaper, like, I don't know what else to do. And I had this moment where I was holding Gavin, and God revealed to me a perspective that I've never seen God through before. I was holding Gavin, and he was, he was crying his, his face off, right? I'm like, I, I don't know what else to do. All I could do was look at him and say, you're fine. I got you. I have you. You're fine. You're fine. I got you. And as I kept saying that quietly, gently to him to help him to calm down, God revealed to me in that moment, he said, so many times in our lives, we're, we're, we're crying about something, upset about something that's going on. And we're saying, God, where are you? Why is this happening? And God just showed me many times, I'm there holding you just like you're holding your son saying, it's okay. What you feel like is a big deal right now is not that big of a deal in perspective. I got you. It's okay. It's okay. God is the perfect heavenly father. So no matter what your dad did growing up or what he didn't do growing up, whether you knew your dad or you didn't know your dad, God's word promises that you have a heavenly father who is perfect, who loves you no matter how far you are from him, no matter how dirty you are, no matter how sinful you are, no matter what you've done. He just wants to wrap his arms around you today and say, I love you and I got you. That's what he wants. You know, today we're continuing our series. We're talking about abiding in Christ talking about abiding in Christ, and specifically we're talking about this, this new vision statement for our church, right? Is we're going to help, we want to help people live, love, and look like Jesus. Live, love, and look like Jesus. The first week we talked about just what does it mean to abide, right? That we've got to stay connected, that we have to remain as one. Last week we talked about, though, that in order to live like Jesus, to live like Jesus, you have to serve like Jesus. Jesus lived a life of service to other people, 
And then specifically today, we're going to talk a little bit about what does it mean to, to love like Jesus. But before we do, this, this vision statement, it can be easy to say, yeah, I want, to, I want to live like Jesus. I want to love like him. I want to look like him. It can be easy to say those things. But truthfully, 1 John 2, 6 tells us this. It says, if we say we abide in Jesus, we ought to walk just as he walked. And that's the challenge. It's easy to say things, right? It's easy to say, well, I'm a Christian. I go to church. But God's word challenges, but do you live it out Monday through Saturday? Are you willing to walk just as he walked? And so today we're talking about what does it mean to love like Jesus? And if you're taking notes, if you got one of those note-taking cards, you can fill in the blank. The first one is this. To love like Jesus is to give like Jesus. To love like Jesus is to give like Jesus. To give like Jesus. Let's look at the most popular verse in the Bible today. Let's look at John 3, 16. We all probably know this by heart, right? It says this, For God so loved, everyone say it to me, say so loved. Say it like you mean it, so loved. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved so genuinely that he backed it up with action. He backed it up with action, literally bankrupting heaven, sending Jesus for you and for me. That's the love that we're talking about. Not just, hey, I love you, but I don't do anything, but the love that's backed with action. In fact, the Bible commands us that, that we do the same, that we love so genuinely that we would back it up with action. In 1 John 3.18, it says this. It says, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. It's easy to say, I love you. But do you have the fruit of love, which is action in your life? It's easy to say, I love someone, but our actions reveal the true nature of our heart. It reveals the true nature of our heart, right? I used this example this morning when we were talking with our, our team. I said, look, it can be easy to say, I love my neighbor. Yeah, I love my neighbor. But do I know my neighbor's name? Do I know if they go to church anywhere? Do I know if they believe in Jesus? Do I know how to pray for them? How do I pray for them if I know what's going on in their life? I can say I love someone, but is there action to prove it? Specifically today, one of the things that Jesus talked about many times and the Bible talks about many times is giving financially. And we're going to talk about why. Why, does, why did Jesus focus so much on money and money having a hold of our heart. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But one of the, the most popular verses that he said or that he talked about is in Matthew 6, 21. Jesus said this. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Basically saying this, right? Show me your bank statement and I'll show you what you love. Again, I can say I love people. But do my finances prove that? I can say that I love to be generous to other people because I love them. But if you looked at my receipts from the restaurant, how much am I actually tipping? Right? I can say I love people. But Jesus says, show me where your treasure is. I'll show you the condition of your heart, where your heart is also. Where your heart is also. So let's talk about this for a second. Jesus says, if we're going to love somebody, back it up. Back it up with something. And God showed us ultimately, he said, he so loved us that he gave. But here's where things change. And here's what I want us to look at today. 
Point number two is this. A generous life requires trust. And this is what separates mature believers from religious people. People that just go to church and do the right thing versus people that are growing and maturing spiritually. Because trust comes with relationship. And when I know my Heavenly Father, when I know Jesus intimately, I can trust Him greatly. When I know Him intimately, I can trust Him greatly because I know His character and I know that it's a good exchange. When I come to Him, He runs to me. And so what I want us to do is we're going to look at a story in Mark chapter 10. And I want us to ask this question as we're looking at this. Where is my trust? Let's read this story together. You've probably heard it. It's the story of the rich young ruler. But let's read it together and let's talk about it. It starts in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. We'll have it up there on the screen for you. It says this. Now, as he was going out on the road, him being Jesus, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But he says, You know the commandments, right? Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he, he answered and he said to Jesus, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, look at this, looking at him, loved him. And he said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Let's continue reading. A lot of times people stop right there. They think that's the whole story. It's not the whole story. Let's continue reading. In verse 23, Then Jesus looked around, and he said to the disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus again said, He answered them, he said to them, Children, how hard it is for those, look at this, who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished among themselves. They they said, well, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and he said, With men it is impossible, but with God... But not with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter, he began to say to him, See, Jesus, we have left all and we've followed you. And Jesus answered and he said, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the age to come, eternal life. In the age to come, eternal life. Let's talk about this for a second. Many times we look at the, the, the story of the rich young ruler and we think, man, it's Jesus, right? Yeah, do, do whatever he asks and just follow him. But let's look at it for a second. The first thing we see is this, is we have to realize and what we see in Jesus is this. God is not opposed to you having money and you having a lot of it. He's not. Here's what he is opposed to. God is opposed to money having you. He's not opposed to you having money because he knows you can bless a lot of people. 
You can be a channel for him. He can use you greatly. He is opposed to money having you. What was the motivation for the rich young ruler? Money and possessions. What I have. Money and possessions. His motivation should have been what? Obedience to God. And so here's the question I want us to ask. When it comes to giving to other people, when I see somebody in need, or if God prompts me to give uncomfortably, like to the rich young ruler, uncomfortably, what's my motivation? Because the motivation of my decision-making reveals who or what has the lordship of my life. The motivation of my decision-making reveals who or what has the lordship of my life. Think about it. If Jesus is truly the Lord of my life and he prompts me to do something, I should have no problem saying, that makes me really uncomfortable, but I'm going to do it. If Jesus prompts me to do something and I say, well, I don't know if I do that, I'm not sure how we're going to pay that bill. If I do that, I don't know how that's going to work out for me. I just don't feel comfortable doing that, so I'm not going to. Who's really the Lord of my life? I am, or my money is, or my job is. Well, I can't leave that job. I've, I've, I've been working there for all these years. Like, I can't, I can't do that, Jesus. Like, what's really the Lord of my life? The motivation reveals lordship. Am I motivated by obedience or am I motivated by my money, my security, and the American dream, right? I'm going to lay up riches for me, and man, I'm going to retire early. I'm going to travel. We don't see that too often in here, okay? God's not against that. I'm just saying, we need to walk in obedience above, I'm going to hoard all of this so that I'm good. Again, God is not opposed to you having money. However, he is opposed to money having you. The next thing Jesus says is this. He says, how hard it is for those who, what, trust in riches. Not who have riches, who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. And that's the question. Where's my trust? Is it in my comfort or is it in my Savior? Is it in Jesus and what he wants for me, knowing that he has, wants the best for me, or is it in what I can do in the plan that I have for my life? Which one? In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says this. He talks about money again. He says, look, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and you will love the other. You'll be devoted to one, and you will despise the other. And here's the, here's the big one. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Why does Jesus put so much emphasis on money, right? Like, money's so personal, especially in our culture. Right? You, don't tell, you don't tell people how much you make. You don't share that. You don't talk about it. Money's such a personal thing. Why does Jesus make it so, why does he talk about it so much? It's because money touches every part of our lives, Money touches every part of our lives. Just the fact that we're here today means that we had the money to get here today. The fact that I have clothes on, that we have clothes on, that I have some form of shoes, money. The fact that I slept somewhere last night with a roof over my head, money. I drove here, money. Money touches everything. And so Jesus knew that if there's going to be anything else that would steal the heart of his people— it would be something that would impact everything in their life. If I lost everything tomorrow, financially, ripple effect in every area of my life. Jesus knew the opposite was true. If someone gains money, what's it going to do? Ripple effect 
it's going to control and root every area of their life. Again, he's not opposed to us having money. He wants us to be blessed. But he's saying, look, you can't let it control you. Are you serving your money or are you serving me? Are you serving your money or are you serving me? The last thing he says, though, is this. And this is where we miss out. When we look at the rich young ruler, we think, oh, man, he just walked away and he was sorrowful for he had great possessions. But we, don't, we miss the promise of God. The promise of God comes in verse 29 and verse 30 when he says, look, anyone that gives up stuff for me, houses, land, relationships, he says, if you give up that stuff for my sake, for the gospel, what does he say? He says, you will receive a hundredfold, a hundred times what you gave up. And I love what Jesus says in this verse. He says, you're going to receive a hundredfold now in this time, here, here, and eternal life. But the promise of Jesus is this, to the rich young ruler that missed it when he walked away because he couldn't obey. If he would have stayed, he would have heard the promise. You have great possessions. How about multiply those by a hundred and see how great they are now? if you would have sold and given and walked in obedience. But there's that, there's that deciding factor, right? God's prompting me, I should give, but I don't know if I can. It's got my heart. And God says, man, but if you would, like we talked last week, if you would die to it, if you would plant that seed and walk away in, in faith, what? God says, I will bring the harvest. I will multiply it. He says a hundred times in this, in this lifetime, and it may come with persecution, but you're going to have eternal life as well. That's the promise of God in our lives, in our lives. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7, it says this. It says that he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one Give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. What's the promise of God to us when it comes to finances, when it comes to giving of myself to someone else? God says, look, every time you give in obedience, you're sowing seed that reaps a harvest. That shouldn't be my motivation. My motivation is obedience to God. But how do I walk away in trust knowing, man, I gave that, and it makes me a little scared, it makes me a little nervous, but I'm trusting God. I have to know these promises. I have to know that when I give, God sees it and he loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. So let's talk about this for a second. Practically, as we wrap up here, how do we give then? How do we give practically as believers specifically? How do we do it? The first one is this. We give to God. Number one, we give to God. A better way to say this, and, and I thought of this, but we had already printed the things, and so it doesn't totally make sense, okay? Just being a good steward of our finances here. We already printed the papers, but another, a better, more accurate way to say it is we return to God what's already his. We're not giving to God. It's all his anyway. He's, he's allowed us to steward it. It's our decision whether we're going to return it to him or not. We, we return to God what's his. So whenever we do that, we're giving, we're giving back to him, right? So how do we do that? To give back to him is through our tithes and through our offerings. Tithes and offerings. You know, there's a lot of times, we, we, I feel like many times in the church world, we either breeze past this topic or maybe we, we talk on it so much and we get hung up on it. But we're just, there's, there's a middle ground here, and I want to show us, shine some light on this. The first thing is this. 
that word tithe, what does tithe actually mean, right? There's, it's a kind of a Christianese word. You're not going to hear it anywhere else, right? You're not going to hear it out in the world. But what does it mean to tithe? And it's simply this, giving God the first 10% of all my income or my increase. So what is, how I teach, teach Gavin is simply this. Look, you do your chores, you're going to get 10 $1 bills, right? 10 $1 bills. Now, you can do whatever you want with those, but the first $1 bill that leaves your hand, we're going to set that aside for God. Now, the other nine, you can go to the candy store, you can go to the, probably to the bookstore with Gavin. He loves books. He's going to go to the bookstore and buy something there. You can go to the bookstore, you can go to the toy store, whatever you want. But the first one that leaves, what happens is with the tithe, many times, and I've been guilty of this as I was growing up, I caught in, got caught in the temptation of, well, I'm going to give 10%, but when I get paid, I got to pay my rent, then I got to pay the car payment, then I got to pay my utilities, then I got to set some aside for savings, and oh, praise God, I, got, I still have 10% left over, I'm going to take that to church and give it. But the tithe is actually, and we, we don't, we're not going to dive into all this right now, but the tithe is the first 10%. So the issue is, if I do it that way, the first 10% and above went to, my tithe went to what? Rent. I paid my tithe to the rent. I still gave to God, but God says 10% first. First. Offerings then is what? Everything above your first 10%. So yeah, I want to give 20% of my income. Man, Awesome. 10% tithe first, another 10% offering above and beyond. But let's talk about this for a second. Whenever, wherever I give the first 10% is where I give my tithe to. Okay? Tithing is this, though. It's about giving God the first. Giving God the first. It's not about giving God what's left over after I've paid my bills. Why? Here's the big reason. It always requires faith to give first. It always requires faith to what? First 10%, that goes to God. I'm going to pay my rent. I'm going to pay my car payment. I'm going to pay my utilities. It takes faith to say, that's a good chunk of money that I'm setting over here that I could use somewhere else. It takes faith to, set it, to give first and set that aside. And this is why so few Christians experience the blessing of tithing. They, they, they don't experience the blessing of tithing. Because tithing, I'm saying this, when I tithe, I say, God, I recognize you first. I'm putting you first in my life, and I trust you to take care of the rest of the things in my life. Why? Because what we just talked about, money touches everything. So when I give God my first ripple effect, it's now blessed as it touches my rent, as it touches my car payment, as it touches my utilities. But it starts with the first ripple, which is, God, you are first. I acknowledge that in every area. How do I acknowledge him in every area to be first? My money, because it touches everything. My money, because it touches everything. This is why tithing is so important. It's the primary way we can acknowledge that God is first in my life. And here's what I want us to see. God's not going to ask you to do anything that he's not willing to do himself. He won't ask you to do anything that he's not willing to do himself. Think of it like this. You can write this down. This was a revelation for me years ago. Jesus is God's tithe. Jesus is God's tithe. Based on everything we just talked about, look at this. The Bible says that in Romans 8.29, I don't have a verse slide for you, but it says this. 
He is the firstborn among many brethren. Firstborn, first, tithe. You don't wait, everything we just talked about, you don't wait to see if you have enough left over to tithe. What? You give tithe first. God didn't wait to see if you would clean up, straighten up, and stop sinning before he sent Jesus to save your life. God gave Jesus when we were mocking him, beating him, and nailing him to the cross. Romans 5.8 says this, But God showed his great love. There it is again, love. Showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. Here it is. While we were still sinners, he died for us. The Bible also says that God gave Jesus in hope that we would believe and receive. In hope. Now, that word hope is the same Greek root word as faith. As faith. God gave Jesus in faith, in hope, that we would believe and receive. How do I give my tithe? It takes faith to say that first ten goes to God. The rest will be blessed because I gave the first. It's easy to pay the things that are flashing at me. This is due, this is due, this is due, everything's due. It's easy to pay those things and say, hey, I got 10% left over, let's go give. Easy. Anyone can do that. But God says, I showed you how to give. While you were a sinner, I gave my best and my first for you when you didn't deserve it. He said, will you do the same? Will you not give to me? Will you return it to me? It's mine anyway. And we have to have the faith to know that God will do more with our 90% because it's blessed than we could ever do with 100% that is not blessed, that is cursed. He will do more with my 90%. As I talk about this, I know I talk with quite a few people who say, well, Pastor Dan, tithing's Old Testament. It's, it's you know, we're free from the law. Like, we don't have to do that anymore. And I see that. I've had great conversations about that. I understand that. I understand that we're not under the law anymore. Tithing is an illegal thing. Tithing is a principle thing. It's not the principle of the tithe. It's the principle of the first. Am I giving God my first and my best? Am I putting God first? It's the principle of the first. It's the same way as if you start your day with God every day. When I wake up and I start my day thanking him, praising him, I guarantee the rest of your day is going to go very well. It doesn't mean the circumstance will be perfect, but it does mean that you're going to have the fruit of the Spirit with you everywhere that you go. Life may happen, but you will have joy. Why? Because you gave God your first. You said, God, this is your day. I give it to you. He's going to do more with the rest of the day than I ever could by myself. Even though we're not under the law, what? doesn't mean I'm going to go out and commit adultery. Doesn't mean I can go out and murder now. That's in the law, right? It's a principle. And it's a hard issue. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Here's what I would leave you with when it comes to tithing. If this is something you've battled with or maybe you don't understand. Malachi 3.10 says this. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there may be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have room to take it in. And here's the key part. Try it. Put me to the test. 
as I always say, this is why we have note-taking. I give you these verses. Why? Go home and ask the Holy Spirit. If tithing is something that you've battled with, and for anyone that's listening on the podcast, if you've battled with this, don't take my word for it. Just take God's. Just try it. Try it for a month. Try it for a week. Try it once in faith and see what God will do in your life and in your finances. Try it. Not because I'm asking you to, because God says, I dare you. I dare you to do it and see what I will do. You won't have room enough to receive what I'm going to pour out on you. He says, try it. And I know a lot of us know this. Every single week, we have different ways that you can give. We, we throw them up here, and, and you can see those. And if you want to partner with us today, if you're like, man, I want to take a step of faith and tithe today, and maybe you've already given away the first 10%, but you're wanting to, to make that step today, you can do that. There's several different ways that you can do that, but you can also, if you do it by an offering envelope, not many people know this, at the very back, there's a little drop box back there that you can drop it. All your stuff's secure. We keep it safe. We take, a pride, we take pride in that. But here's the second thing I want us to look at is this. Returning to God or giving to God is important. It's the first. It, rep- it blesses everything else. But the second one is also important. We give on behalf of God. And that's the last point, if you're taking notes. We give on behalf of God. Why? We're the hands, the feet. We're the body of Christ. We give on behalf of God, which is what? When I give generously to others. When I see a need and I meet it. To be transparent, a couple years ago, I was at Quick Trip, and I was filling up, and I had to run inside for something, and I saw this woman at at the, the counter, and she was paying with gas in change, and she had like $5 worth of change. And at the time, honestly, money was tight for us, and God prompted me, and he said, you need to fill up her tank of gas. I didn't know what she was driving, right? That could be a big commitment, right? What if it's something huge, right? Got a semi around back. Cool, yeah, let's fill this up. Right? All these thoughts in my mind. And to be transparent, I walked out. I said, God, I can't do that. Why? Trust issue. Rich young ruler. That's a little too much. That might put us in a tight spot. But can I tell you this? We've learned from those mistakes <laughs> because driving home after that and having the Holy Spirit say, ah, oh, man, I had something for you. And knowing, man, I should have done that. I don't want to live that way. We've learned from it. There's been times recently where, yeah, money's been tight, but when God says give and to give big, all right, God, I'm going to put some cash in this envelope and we're going to put it in this person's mailbox and Not from us. They're not going to sign it or anything. We're just going to say, God loves you, and walk away. God will bless that. His word promises he will bless that. And we've seen so much favor on our life. I can't can't even tell you. Favor upon favor. Because why? God loves a cheerful giver. Someone who will love people like he loves people. So loved that he gave. Will Will we be that way? And the promise is so good. Look at Proverbs 11, 24 through 25. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Man, that's good. Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your bosom, into your lap. For with the same measure that you use, 
it will be measured back to you. Irrational generosity brings irrational blessing. Man, how do you guys, how do you guys get all this favor? Because behind the scenes, we're blessing people irrationally when it doesn't make sense. That's what God's saying. So what do we do? Right? For God so loved the world that he gave. And in 1 John 4, 19, he says this. We love God because he first loved us. We love because he loved. If I'm going to love like Jesus, what does it mean? I got to give like Jesus. I got to give like Jesus. I got to trust him. A generous lifestyle requires that trust in that relationship. I have to ask the question, am I trusting in my money or am I trusting in God? And as a believer, there's two ways that I can give. I can, number one, most important, return to him what is his. Give to him. And I can give on behalf of him. And I can go to the restaurant. This is the easiest example, I guess. I can go to the restaurant. And even though the service may not be as good as I thought it should be, I can still leave a big tip and say, God loves you. Because why? I'm giving not to get from that person. I'm giving because I'm giving on behalf of God. Jesus would bless them. So I'm going to bless them. It's not about what I can get in return. It's about what would Jesus do? How would he love them? All right, God, I'll do that on your behalf. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. Thank you for your word. God, thank you for the gift of Jesus that while we were still sinners, you gave your first, you gave your, you gave your best to us, people that were far from you, but you loved us and you gave. God, we just want a piece of your heart today. As you've put your spirit on the inside of us when we make you the Lord of our life, God, we, we tap into that that spirit, that heart today. We wanna live like that. We wanna love people well. And God, we know that your word is true, that whenever you prompt us to give and it may be outside our comfort zone and it may be tough to give, it may seem tough physically, your word says that as we give, you love a cheerful giver. You love to see people that have your heart to love others well. And we just become a channel for you. And I pray for everyone in this room, Holy Spirit is your moving on their behalf. I pray for the people that are taking their first steps, whether listening to the podcast or in here in person, that are taking their first steps to give to you, return to you. I pray that you would bless them and you would work on their behalf. I pray for everyone in here that has lived a lifestyle of generosity, tithing, offering, and, and giving to others. God, I pray that you would show yourself faithful today and this week on their behalf, that they are blessed beyond measure so much that they don't have room enough to receive it. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Home Church Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out homechurchtulsa.com.